Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Mental Golf Show. As always, I'm your host, Josh Nichols. And on today's episode, I want to throw it back a couple weeks, as of the recording of this at least, to the 2021 PGA Championship and Phil's Phil Mickelson's historic win. I, uh, I, there was just so many things that were on my mind as I was watching it and since it, um, since it ended that I have just, I've wanted to say, I've wanted to talk about. So I want to take this episode to talk about it because there's so much that I know that you can learn from because I learned a ton just, uh, just from, from watching it and, and reading his interviews like, I wasn't the only one who noticed, but it was very clear how much Phil was putting his focus on, well, his focus. During his round, he would take, like, a long time before hitting the ball, like, seemingly like he was going through some sort of breathing routine, almost like he was meditating through the entire round. I don't know if you remember seeing him do that, like, how long he would take behind the ball. So, while we can't actually know what Phil was doing behind the ball in those pressure-packed moments... We can hear what he had to say before and after his rounds. So I want to go through some of his press conference interviews and see what we can learn from Phil and what processes he was focusing on that we should also be prioritizing for our own game. Yes, Phil has been playing professional golf for decades, and he's already a very good player, but I've always believed that if a pro golfer is prioritizing something as helpful, then so should we. They're looking for every little edge they can find to try to improve incrementally. So what they do to improve a small amount will most likely help us improve a large amount. Phil has real limitations and hurdles that he has to get through, and age being one of them. It's no secret that it's harder to get better, stronger, or more flexible as you get older. I think we can all agree on that. And I'm noticing that in my own little ways. I just the difference between 25 and 30. And yes, that's still young relatively speaking, but I'm noticing the difficulty of you know keeping weight off and uh and stretching being a higher priority, getting more stiff and just I don't know, just little ailments that happen um now that I'm 30. So uh Phil was 50 years old and 11 months when he won this PJ Championship, so he certainly has hurdles that he had to get over to do this. So let's get into some of Phil's comments, and these interviews are courtesy of ASAP Sports Transcripts. I'll uh, link to the website in the show notes if you want to check them out for yourself. And they have a, a, all the transcripts from all the PJ Tour events and majors, so it's a, it's a cool resource, especially for me. So after his first round, where he finished up at T8, the interviewer asked, We've heard you say you're close for a while now. Are you closer than close? To which he said, and just a quick aside, I'm not listing everything he said, just I'm kind of cherry-picking the things that he said that were particularly relevant to the mental golf show um, and relevant to helping you get better. Um, So yeah, Uh, are you closer than close, Phil? To which he said, I've made progress. If you look at week to week to week, I've been making a lot of progress. And the challenge, the guys out here are so good. They are so talented. The course setups are very penalizing that you've got to be focused every shot. And if I lose my focus on any holes out of 72, the field here is going to eat me up. 
And so that's a the big challenge for me to get in contention. But I'm enjoying the challenge, and I'm playing well enough to do it. But I just need to be present on every shot. So notice how he's talking about focusing on all 72 holes and how in order to keep up with the other players, he needs to not give any of those holes away. What this is revealing is the importance of the mental game. Yes, but even more, it's showing us what I think is a pillar concept of the mental game. I believe the purpose of the mental game, and you may have heard me say this before, is to allow your physical game to be as good as it will be for that day. We've all heard the phrase, get out of your own way. We've heard that a million times. That phrase is definitely overused, but it has a lot of truth to it. When your mental game is bad, you get in the way of your physical game. But let's say you have 100% good mental game for the day. That means you will be completely out of your own way. Your physical game has nothing impeding it from being the best it will be. So, When Phil says he wants to be focused and present on every shot for all 72 holes, and implying that he doesn't want to give any hole away, he's saying how he wants to get in the way of his physical game as little as possible. He knows he has the physical game to compete. He has that self-belief of himself. So, if he can have a good mental game the entire tournament, he can play up to that potential. Alright, on to the next interview. After round two, where he got into a tie for the lead with Louis Oosthuizen, the interviewer asked, two weeks ago you were up there after one day and then fell off, and you've lamented these focus issues some. I'm curious what's changed. How have you addressed it? How are you handling it, the focus issues, and maybe in conditions where that is required even more? To which Phil said, so I'm working on it. I'm just making more and more progress just by trying to elongate my focus. I might try to play 36, 45 holes in a day and try to focus on each shot so that when I go out and play 18, it doesn't feel like it's that much. I might try to elongate the time that I end up meditating, but I'm trying to use my mind like a muscle and just expand it because as I've gotten older, it's been more difficult for me to maintain a sharp focus, a good visualization and see the shot. Physically, I feel like I'm able to perform and hit the shots that I've hit throughout my career And I feel like I can do it every bit as well as I have, but I've got to have that clear picture and focus. So these first two days have been much better. You can hear Phil alluding to what we talked about after the round one interview, where he believes he has the physical capabilities to play as well as everyone else. He just needs to use his mind to give that physical game an opportunity to show. As far as his course and meditation routines, you can imagine how awesome this is for me to hear. I love the idea of incrementally stretching your comfort zone. It's something that I've seen uh, in reading the book Grit. Uh, It's a really good book. I recommend it. Um, Is the incrementally stretching of your comfort zone. Also, The Art of Learning. Uh, A a great book. Um, Two books that I really recommend for you. And what that can contribute to how easy a tournament feels. Stretching your comfort zone can make a tournament feel easier. I've always said the improvement formula goes like this. Make practice really difficult, intense, focused, and boring. And make playing easy, relaxed, and enjoyable. It's not the fun way. It's not the easy formula. But that's exactly what Phil has been working on doing. 
So no, not many of us have the luxury to play even 18 holes some days, let alone 45 holes in a day. But we can see the benefit of stretching your comfort zone. In deliberate practice, something the book Grit talks about a lot, always practicing something that is just beyond your skill level is the best way to improve at something. If you always practice something that is easy, then you'll never be pushed to improve. So Phil has stretched himself to be able to focus for not just 18 holes, but for multiple rounds of golf in one day, as well as expanding his attention span through longer meditation sessions. These practices will make being in just an 18-hole round of golf with focus times of only like two or three minutes at a time, it'll make that feel relatively easy because he's he's not just playing 18 holes in a day, he's playing 45 in a day. He's not just focusing for two or three minutes at a time when he's playing. He's stretching his meditation out. He didn't say exactly when or how long, but I'm sure it's longer than two or three minutes at a time. So it makes those routine things in a tournament feel relatively easy. Now, it will still be difficult because it's the PGA Championship, and you can hear in in the way he's talking that it's not easy, and you'll see in the future rounds where he doesn't do it perfectly, but he's making it feel easier than his practice. And that's a key for us to learn from. Make practice hard. Make what making practice hard makes playing feel easier and especially tournaments. All right, now let's get to the weekend during round three. You might remember this. Phil got to as high as a five shot lead. And at one point it seemed like he was just going to run away with it and it might even start to get boring but he only ended up with a one-shot lead going into the final round. So after the round three, the interviewer asked, you've been in plenty of dogfights at the majors, but at your advanced age, it's a nice way of putting it, I guess, it's hard to know how many are in front of you. How do you keep yourself from wanting it too much or pushing too hard tomorrow going into uh, the final round? And Josh speaking here, this is a really good question, actually. How many of us feel that creeping desire to close the deal, to play well when it really matters? Like, we're finally playing good, we're finally in contention in whatever we're playing in, and we feel that desire creeping up into us. But listen to Phil's awesome response. I think that because I feel or believe that I'm playing really well, and I have an opportunity to contend for a major championship on Sunday... And I'm having so much fun that it's easier to stay present. It's easier to stay in the present and not get ahead of myself. This is the, the, Josh speaking again, this is the third or fourth time Phil has mentioned having a lot of fun. I didn't mention him before, but he mentioned it a lot in the first and second rounds afterwards. He very well could just be saying this to sound good in an interview. It's, it's a very easy answer to give. I'm having a lot of fun out here. This is a blast. You know, it's, it's fun being in contention. And honestly, all of these answers could just be good sound bites to put a bow on an interview. But Phil has always been a super authentic interviewee, and his answers have a real uniqueness to them compared to other players. So when Phil makes it a point to mention how much fun he and his brother slash caddy are having, I tend to believe him, especially when he's mentioned as many times as he has which means I believe it's valuable for us to hear and take to heart. I don't mention it enough on this podcast or to the players I work with. Enjoying yourself on the course is probably the number one way to play your best golf. When you're having fun, you'll be relaxed. And when you're relaxed, you make your best swings, putts, and decisions. And when you do your best in these areas, you shoot your best scores. 
So your job is to get in a, into a frame of mind that will allow golf to be enjoyable for you. Fun is not something that can be forced. It has to be a mindset that you have. All right. Then the interview asked, that first 10, 11 holes was such a strong stretch. What felt best about that to you? And Phil said, I felt I had a very clear picture on every shot, and I've been swinging the club well, and so I was executing. I just need to keep that picture a few more times. So even though it slipped a little bit today, and I didn't stay as focused and as sharp on a few swings, it's significantly better than it's been for a long time. So I'm making a lot of progress. Then the interviewer asked, 12 and 13, is that an example of loss of focus? And if so, did you get it back to finish out the round? Josh speaking, if you remember from that third round, Phil made bogey double on 12 and 13. So how does Phil think about making mistakes mid-round? Phil said, so yeah, it's just an example of losing the feel in the picture of the shot. And I get a little bit jumpy, a little bit fast from the top. And it just, when that when that happens, I get narrow and I end up flipping it. So those two swings were more a product of not staying or keeping the feel and the focus of the shot. And so that's just a small thing that I need to iron out. This answer, Josh speaking, this answer is very telling to us. He reveals that something that happened in his mind caused something to happen in his swing, not the other way around. A lot of us blame our swing or our game for bad shots and holes. But more often than not, if we had gone through a better process before, during, and after the shot, that shot would have been better. So that tells me, and it should tell you, our job is not to make perfect swings first. Our job is to have a good process first. For Phil, that's having a clear feel and picture of the shot he wants to hit. If he can do that, it helps him make a good swing. So his priority is the good process, which means ours should be too. And a quick note from another question the interviewer asked, uh, they said, was there any thought, easy to say, right, but any thought about just bunting it out into the fairway after seeing what Louie did, or are you not even worrying about what he did? If you remember on hole 13 in the third round, Louie hit his ball in the water on the right, and then Phil immediately followed him and did the same thing. Here's what Phil had to say about that. He doesn't affect what I do or the rest of the field, so I need to, I, I need to just execute better. And it wasn't a hard shot. I've been hitting that shot well. It's a little running draw. I didn't hit it very well today, that shot, but I've been hitting it well, and so I'll go work on that. This is a common answer from tour pros. Uh, of saying they can't affect what I do, they can't affect the field, I just need to go work on it. But it's also the correct answer. Phil makes it logical. Louis, or any other player for that matter, can have zero actual effect on what Phil does. Any of the players that you are playing against can have zero actual effect on what you do. They, they only have an effect on you if you let them have an effect on you. They can only... Step into your boundary if you leave the gate open for them to walk through it. So you got to close that gate. Phil owns his mistake and knows what he needs to do to work on it. Okay, now to the final round. And if you haven't watched the tournament yet or seen how it ended up, spoiler alert, Phil won. (laughs) I guess I already spoiled that. But some of the things he said really capped off what I think is so important about his win. Phil said in his post-win interview, It's been an incredible day, 
and I've not let myself kind of think about the results until now, now that it's over. I've tried to stay more in the present and at the shot at hand and not jump ahead and race. I've tried to shut my mind to a lot of stuff going around. I wasn't watching TV. I wasn't getting on my phone. I was just trying to quiet things down because I'll get my thoughts racing and I really just try to stay calm. It's very exciting because I've had a few breakthroughs on being able to stay more present, be able to stay more focused, and physically I'm striking it and playing as well as I ever have, but I haven't been able to see that clear picture. What an awesome answer. As we talked about from this Thursday round, uh, earlier in this podcast, we know what those breakthroughs were. They weren't just things he came up with or happened upon by chance during the round, like a lot of us tend to hope and search for. We want thing, we're just like looking for some revelation to happen during the round. No, these were things that he has made a priority long before the PGA Championship ever started. He also led us into one of his vulnerabilities right here. He said, although I believed it until I actually did it, there was a lot of doubt, I'm sure. So even the best players who seemingly have infinite confidence in themselves, and Phil certainly notwithstanding, in their games, they also have full, seemingly have full confidence in their games, they fight self-doubt. So it's okay for you to fight it, but you need to fight it, just like Phil has fought it. The interviewer then asked him how he was able to improve and win at the age of 50. Phil said, worked harder, that's the deal. I just had to work harder physically to be able to practice as long as I wanted to, and I've had to work a lot harder to be able to maintain focus throughout a round. That's been the biggest challenge of late. I just didn't see why it couldn't be done. It just took a little bit more effort. He then mentioned some help his brother slash caddy, Tim, was able to provide him during the final round. I'm walking off six. I had made some uncommitted swings the first six holes. I'd been striking the ball awesome the first three days. I had a wonderful warm-up session, like I was ready to go, and I made some uncommitted swings the first six holes. He pulled me aside, Tim, pulled me aside, and said, if you're going to win this thing, you're going to have to make committed golf swings. It hit me in the head. I can't make passive. I can't control the outcome. I have to swing committed. The first one I made was the drive on seven. Good drive on seven gave me a chance to get down by the green and make birdie. From there on... I hit a lot of really good shots because I was committed to each one. So this shows just how important, Josh talking, this shows just how important having a good mental process is. It affects every part of your game. You don't have Tim Mickelson carrying your bag, but you can be that caddy for yourself. You can work on reminding yourself to be committed on every shot. So to wrap up, Phil's win was a historic win but also a win that shone a very bright light on the importance of work ethic, enjoyment of the game, focus, meditation, and prioritizing good mental processes. I hope you took as much away from Phil's win as I did. And I don't do this often, but I want to mention that if you feel like you need help working on your mental processes, I am a mental performance coach. And I work with about 30 players on their mental games. And we have conversations that include a ton of what you've just heard from Phil. So I, I, don't, I don't swing this right hook very often. But if you'd like to work with me, feel free to email me. Uh, you can send me an email at foundationsgolf at gmail.com. That's foundationsgolf at gmail.com. 
So I guess this episode was sponsored by my company, Foundations Mental Performance. Uh, all right. So just a little olive branch there. If you feel like you need it, if you feel like you're lost, um, yeah, send me an email. All right. I hope you enjoyed this walk through Phil's win at the 2021 PGA Championship. Hopefully you learned something. So thank you for listening to The Mental Golf Show. I'm Josh Nichols, and I will see you guys next time.